Season 2, Episode 2 The Day a Worm Crawled Out of Janice Don't talk, just listen. Dante would always remember that the day a worm crawled out of Jeff McKinnon was a Tuesday. The Tuesday before the worm, the Tuesday that started the whole mess, began like any other, with Dante doing his rounds around the hospital ward. He found Dr. Isaacs, as he often did, on the balcony, smoking a cigarette and gazing with bottomless hunger at the Man McRae's building. The building was only a block away, but it might as well have stood on another planet. Residency was incredibly exclusive, and there was little turnover. Soon they'll be breeding in there, Isaacs had once remarked to Dante, and then there'll be no chance for any outsider to win their way in. Feckless legacy cases will dig in like ticks. If a man wants in, he needs to act now prove his worth now. But how? Dante handed Dr. Isaacs the chart containing an update on the progress of his latest bid. Not a single patient under Dr. Isaacs' care had died in over three weeks. With another week in change, it would be a month without any fatalities under his care, an absurd achievement in the city beneath the black sun. Even in the protected enclosure overseen by the man McRae, death had its ways of finding people. Injuries, maladies, torments of the mind, and just good old-fashioned aging. From the moment the possibility had presented itself, Dr. Isaacs had been capable of thinking or talking about nothing else. A month without death, just imagine it. There'll be no denying my abilities ever again. They'll be begging, begging me to join their little conclave. Isaacs had laughed. <laughs> and I may just deign to take them up on it, sharing my gifts with those who need it. 
Dante, as he often had to in his position as a nurse, kept his mouth shut, not feeling the need to bring up the myriad factors, including himself, that contributed to his achievement beyond one ham's lucky streak. All present and accounted for, Dr. Isaacs asked this Tuesday. Everyone made it through the night, Dante confirmed, though I am a little concerned about Mrs. McKinnon's O2 levels. That old bag is tough as leather, Dr. Isaac smirked. She'll outlive us all, you'll see. Dante was not, by nature, one given to superstitions or concerns about jinxes and the like. But whenever he thought back to that terrible time, to Isaacs and Janice and the worms, and all the things that followed the worms, he would wonder over how it was that the very moment those words left the doctor's lips, the machines attached to Janice McKinnon began to scream. Her heart, they massaged back to beating. Her brain, though, blackout. Dante gaped at the doctor. You can't be serious. She's dead. Dr. Isaacs scoffed. Oh, well, I'd say that opens a very tricky legal and ethical kind of worms, don't you? Doctor, Jess McKinnon is brain dead. Not only is it pointless and cruel to keep her alive, it's also fundamentally irresponsible. The electricity being generated to keep her alive could be better used in a thousand different places. I knew that old bitch would give me trouble, Isaacs muttered. The second they wheeled her old bones in here, I knew she'd up hurting my numbers. Dante, swallowing the response that came instinctively, said, I'm going to go finish this. Isaacs leapt across the room and seized him. Don't you understand? We're so close. Yes, we. Aren't you tired of this job? Of scraping bedpans and changing sheets when you're more than proven yourself equal to any doctor here? You think I didn't notice, but of course I did. I was getting a little, <laughs> little worried for a minute there. But this could work out great for both of us. I set this record. I am all but guaranteed a spot in McRae's building. And you, you can write your own ticket. You can have my job that I know you want so badly. Dante was not sure why it was that Dr. Isaacs and people like him felt so convinced that their carnivorous drives were universal throughout the human race. Perhaps it was a survival technique, a mechanism to allow minds that had been denied those basic human drives of love and fellowship. Shh. Don't be afraid, the mind would whisper. It's all a lie, all the show. 
get yours and get out because that's all anyone would ever do. Dante was not even sure why Isaacs was so obsessed with getting into McRae's building. Knowing nothing about the man's past, he could not speak to what he was running towards or running from. At night, the doctor would linger on the balcony, smoking and staring, staring and smoking. The building glowed like an earthbound star, and in its reflection, his eyes shone with predator's hunger. The more Dante thought on this, the more he realized that the best, safest thing for all in the hospital would be Isaac's leaving it. Fine, he said. I'll help you. At first, it was easy work, easily put out of mind and forgotten, until the following Tuesday, until the worm. It came out her nose. Dante did not notice at first, lulled as he was by the standard rhythms and flow of a Tuesday morning. Janice McKinnon required little to no work, only a brief check on her vitals and fluids, little more than notching a check mark on the chart. Dante did so and turned to leave. He stopped realizing a wrongness. The pointed brown head of the worm poked out of Janice's left nostril. As Dante watched, the emboldened invertebrate began to draw itself out of her head, inch after inch of fat brown body. The worm grew so thick in places, it almost got wedged within her nose the flesh of her nostril straining against the weight of the worm. Finally, it was free, the full foot of it. The worm dragged itself across the itchy hospital blanket over Janice, then slithered to the floor where it began again to crawl. Revulsion overpowered rationale. Dante began to stomp, wrestling down the urge to vomit when he felt the damp solidity of the worm's body give way beneath his shoes. The heavy body of the worm shuddered and squirmed. What came out of it was red. Dante brought his foot down again and again, both feet until he was jumping up and down in a red mash of meat. 
he became aware of a high-pitched keening sound coming from close by. He stopped when he realized it was him making the sound. Sweaty and nauseous, Dante backed away from the scene. A paste of red and black and brown coated the floor and his sneakers. The chart lay atop the mess, flesh and fluid gathering on and staining through the paper. Dante ran. doesn't change anything, Dr. Isaac said. They went back and forth on it for several hours. In the end, Dante could do nothing to sway Dr. Isaacs from his determination. Janice McKinnon would be forced to stay alive until she had served her purpose. It's only a few more days, the doctor insisted. The next day, there were more worms. They pressed out her ears, out her mouth. One thin one pressed its way out from underneath her closed eyelid. Never did she stir. At noon that day, Dante discovered the maggots. He turned on his heel and walked out of the room. He found Dr. Isaacs in another patient's room handed him J.S. McKinnon's chart, and walked on. He returned inside the hour with other doctors and hospital administrators. While Isaacs ranted and raved, the patients were wheeled out of his ward. The families of the patients arrived and pressed him back. Even in the shelter of McGray's keep, the black son taught all the savagery required to protect that which you love. Dante last made to unplug Janice McKinnon, but here, Dr. Isaacs threw his body at him. She is mine! He screamed. You want to take all these other ungrateful fuckers? Then fine! But she belongs to me! Janice McKinnon had no family to fight for her. Only Dante. And Dante was tired and sick, and at that point wanted only to be away from that place as quickly as possible. So he left her. He knew he would be haunted forever, and he was right. Dr. Isaacs was left alone in an empty ward unplugged wires lying on the floor like drained veins. The only remaining heart monitor began to scream. He brought her back once again, his hands on her chest. You bitch, he snarled. You don't get to go. You don't get to win. 
Her pulse steadied, and he exhaled a held breath. His hands on her chest, he felt something move beneath her skin. The doctor backed away, unable to stop watching. It was not something. It was many things writhing and curling and crawling inside of her. Madness, he heard his own voice say aloud. He thought he saw movement from the corner of his eye. The chair in the corner of the room was empty. When he turned back, Janice McKinnon sat by her own bedside, stroking her own arm. The Janice by the bed was naked, pale skin hanging loose from thin bones. Her eyes were red, red all over, and from them blood leaked like steam over snowy ground. Why is this happening? Dr. Isaacs asked. Madness! What do you want from me? Dr. Isaacs asked. Madness! What do you expect me to do? Dr. Isaacs roared. She wore a wolf's grin. Madness! In the span of a blink, she was gone. Dr. Isaacs approached the place she had held. The chair by the bed was indeed empty, save for the scalpel, glowing like an earthbound star. You'll see, you'll see. I'll get it out of you, all of it. You don't get to win. The writhing beneath her flesh had stopped. No matter. He would find it. He was a doctor, after all. He began to cut. There was so much, too much, it poured out of her. The human body could not be so deep as to contain so much. The worms tumbled from the first cut, collecting on the floor, on his shoes, on his pants. The ants that crawled out of the next slice coated his hands and crawled up his sleeves. 
The flies sought purchase near his eyes. The spiders whispered with soft steps along his spine. Too much, much too much. There had to be an end to it. At some point, he had to reach the bottom. To consider otherwise was slice after slice, and still they poured out of her. The bugs amassed until they covered the floor up to Isaac's knees, and still they poured from her. Enough, he cried. Enough! He slashed open her chest and plunged his hand into the cavity. He wrapped his fingers around her heart. It writhed. He squeezed. It stopped. He withdrew his hand, coated in blood. Dr. Isaacs stood alone in an empty room, the savaged dead woman the only other occupant. He dropped the scalpel to the empty floor. When he turned, she seized his face in her cold, cold hands. Madness, she said. She pressed her open mouth to his. And somehow, she still had more to give. They shot him early in the evening, about eight o'clock, near about. Passerby used words like disheveled and wild-eyed to describe him to head order officer Mustafa. But all agreed that despite his manner, he never strayed from his course. He went right to McRae's building. The kid who shot him was a poor newbie, only just got the job. Felt awful, sick over it. Mac was the kid's name, and he truly thought he'd had no choice. The guy was out of his mind, violent. He'd already smashed one other guard, slashed another with a scalpel. Then he made for the doors, pounding with bloody fists, slamming his head into them. No, Mac didn't have a choice. It was early evening when they shot him, a cloudy sky lending premature darkness to the summer night. No stars greeted Dr. Isaacs as he lay dying. Only those stars of the man the Gray's building. Funny, he thought. I thought they'd be brighter. His final breath carried up with it an onslaught of bugs. A column of flies and locusts rose. 
a wave of ants and spiders skittered away from his corpse. The worms alone remained, contenting themselves upon his still flesh. All agreed it was easily the most bizarre thing they had seen in a long, long time. Well, until the fireworks, that is. But that's another story. Hey everybody, and thank you for bearing with me through a slightly more discussion than usual episode of Black Sun Dispatches. My name is Brent Foley, and I write, record, and produce the show. Black Sun Dispatches is part of the Cinepunks Podcast Network, along with great shows like the Cinepunks Podcast, uh, Loud Fast Philly, Horror Business, The Mandate, all kinds of great stuff. In addition to the podcast, the Cinepunks site has tons of great writing articles uh, from both podcast contributors and also just other contributors. Uh, who just do great, great writing. So regardless of whether or not you like this show, there's bound to be something on the site that you'll like, so please give all that stuff a look. Cinepunks is sponsored by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, which you can hit up at xlvacx.com. Again, it's Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations at xlvacx.com. This site is awesome, uh, and they supply all kinds of cool t-shirts for the various shows and events that we do uh, just this summer. Uh, Liam and the other Cinepunks guys are hosting uh, some Kung Fu movies and Lehigh Valley put together a t-shirt for Come Drink With Me that is awesome. So if you're not going to those movies, you should get that t-shirt uh, or another t-shirt or design your own. Cool beans. You can be a Cinepunks and Black Sun Dispatcher sponsor yourself by supporting our Patreon, which you can find on the website. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It helps spread the word. Leave a comment. Uh, let us know we could be doing better. Uh, let's know we could be doing worse, I guess. I guess that'd be good to know, theoretically. Uh, either way, uh, please help spread the word for the show. I'd be really, really appreciated. You can find me on Twitter at the true Brennan F, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Black Sun Show for all kinds of new, for news, updates, other cool stuff. Uh, there's always something going on. Uh, okay, so our next episode will be on July 16th, I want to say. I think that's what I aim for, July 16th. Two more, two episodes in the month of July and two more months for as, you know, as we can. So yeah, so that episode will be entitled Fireworks. I'm really excited to get that out in front of you guys. Uh, so hopefully you'll enjoy your actual firework festivities on July 4th. Uh, and tune in on July 16th for the Black Sun Dispatches version of Fireworks, which... Uh, are a little bit odd. Our logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers and the music was Winter by E.L. Heath. So again, thank you guys all for listening. Please help spread the word about the show and I will see you in a few weeks on July 16th for our very next episode. Thanks and have a good day.